Hey, ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 174. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Praise the sun. Oh, I didn't do my Rick and Roll, uh, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Mm-hmm. Second episode of the new year. Uh, no Jordan this week, unfortunately. Some things came up. We're still going to be doing Game of the Year uh, discussions at, in, during the second part of the podcast. He won't be here for that, unfortunately. But he should be back next week along with hopefully a guest we have planned. I don't want to say in case you know things happen and then we don't have a guest. But hopefully we'll have a guest and Jordan back for the first time in the new year. What? <laughs> the PS5 controller might be called the DualShock 5. Oh wow! Breaking Hold news your breath, here, everyone. Yeah. Uh, so what we're gonna do? Uh, if you didn't listen last week, uh, or for some reason you forgot about it, we're changing the template of the podcast. The way it works now is we're gonna be starting with the news, then going into the topic, and then ending the show with what we've been playing. We're no longer doing what we're gonna be playing as a segment, and news will always be at the front of the show. So definitely look forward to that. I think it'll help the show gel well. I talked about it a little bit in last week's episode. If you want to hear the full rundown as to why we're doing that. Anyways, in terms of news, pretty slow news week, you would say, if you're looking at things. Now, it's obviously a joke. We had three big delays for spring 2020 releases. Um, two of them were, I guess all three of them were technically not surprising, but two of them moved quite far uh, down the year in terms of 2020. So the first one was Final Fantasy VII Remake. That got delayed from March 3rd to April 10th. So when that got delayed, people were like, oh, wow, now we have a three-week a three week run of Resident Evil 3 Remake on the 3rd, RE, uh, RE7, Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, on April 10th, and then Cyberpunk on April 17th. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, April had a game move out of that slot in Cyberpunk 2077. It was delayed to September 17th, 2020. Um, and we'll get into that, but the other uh, delay that happened was Marvel's Avengers, which was scheduled to go in May, uh, releasing on May 15th, but also got delayed to September, that being September 4th, two weeks before now, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, I want to talk to you about what do you think the most significant delay is in terms of like the publisher's perspective, right, Dom? And then we talked about this a little bit in our in, in our group <coughs> message What's the most significant delay to you personally, right? So I'll start. I think it's, there's, out of these three delays, I think two of them are for quality concerns. All of them are technically for quality concerns. Uh, Marvel's Avengers had a rough go of it once it was revealed and then people saw trailers. The Kamala Khan trailer got people a little bit more invested in what the game can be. That game getting delayed is not really surprising. Cyberpunk 2077, same thing. Their statement of it wanting to be a defining experience for the generation makes sense. CD Projekt Red also has a history of delaying games, just like Rockstar, uh, because they make these like really detailed, big, giant worlds. The Final Fantasy VII Remake one was also for quality, but it's really significant because people, some people missed, I guess, that March 31st is the end of Square Enix's fiscal quarter. Uh, and fiscal year overall. So it's the end of their fourth year, uh, their Q4 fiscal quarter, and also their 2019-2020 fiscal year. And it getting delayed to April 10th means that Final Fantasy VII Remake gets moved out of that into the new fiscal year, which obviously has huge repercussions for stakeholders and their overall stock and investors and everything, right? So I think that's the most significant one because it had to be egregious enough of like a setback in development for them to move a month 
out of that fiscal year because now they had to go up to their investors and let them know that their projections for the total revenue for the fiscal year are going to be down greatly, obviously because Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be one of their biggest sellers, and it was likely the game that they put most of their uh, numbers into in terms of trying to guess what they were going to make for the year, projected uh, revenue. And uh, I want to hear from you. What do you think about that? Do you do you think it had to be something significant because of that? You know, moving a game out of the end of a fiscal year is pretty significant for a business. Yeah, the weird thing too, though, is it, it still is. It's just the short delay, like right, like just over a month. So that's kind of like that's kind of weird because it's a big move financially, but for only an extra month. So. Um, that is just weird, I guess, because you're right. There's so much incentive to try to get that done by the end of March. Um, so I'm surprised that uh, they were able to, you know, basically get that approved only for an extra month. If you said I needed an extra six months or three months, then it's like, okay, obviously there's a significant uh, change in quality from that. But like, not to say that a month can't make a huge difference, but um, <clears throat> that would be harder. I would imagine that'd be harder to sell when you're asking for a delay from your publisher, but. Yeah, you're right. That's definitely significant from a financial perspective. Well, and with that, people... Obviously, there's a, a very strong case to be made for Marvel's Avengers getting delayed, but some people feel it might have been a repercussion uh, of Final Fantasy's delay going to April, because then you have Marvel's Avengers in May, if they're wanting to, you know, if in terms of revenue, they want to make sure that they're earning revenue pretty evenly across the board at high rates throughout the year. So it being delayed to September makes sense for them to have something big in the fall because if you if you think about it it's like what else would Square Enix have in the fall that could even contend and Marvel's Avengers is a huge huge property um, there's also this goes to the Cyberpunk 2077 thing which you had something personally you want to talk about with it in regards to PS5 uh, people are thinking that maybe Avengers and Cyberpunk got delayed not because the games specifically that are coming out on Xbox One X and PS4 Pro and the regular base editions are having issues. It's that they want to work towards having those enhanced uh, next-gen editions done or at least the framework for the back-end boost for those systems. Um, so that way when people are getting those new consoles, they're also taking those experiences with them as well, or maybe buying it a second time for that system. Uh, however that goes, but you, you mentioned in chat that this cyberpunk delay changes how you're planning to deal with the PS5 launch. Yeah. I mean, it depends because there's still so much we don't know about how, you know, these late, uh, current gen games are going to be handled going into to uh, ps5 and series x right um so potentially it changes things right because i was <clears throat> i like to keep an outlook like oh what's coming out this year um you know how long is this this is going to take for me to play this and i can kind of map out you know what's going to go where um at, at you know at what times so initially oh cyberpunk comes out in april um or may or was it april or may uh, april mid-april yeah 16th right? so it's like okay yeah that's you know i'm gonna spend all summer doing that um and then maybe one or two other things, and then that's going to be it for this generation, right? Because uh, especially knowing that everything forward is going to be backwards compatible, um, at least with the current gen, um, then there's there's not as much incentive to, to stick around, right? But now, because this is such a large game, and I know that I'm going to want to be playing, it's going to take me months to play it, and it comes out in September, you know, if there's not like a big difference between this the ps4 version and these you know presumed ps5 version um 
then I'm probably just going to stick around on PS4 and at least until I'm done with Cyberpunk, right? And then uh, and then kind of upgrade. That's what I'm thinking, right? But if they say, oh, well, you know, uh, it's the same game, you know, it's still a PS4 version, but, you know, there's a it's enhanced at least on PS5, then that changes things up too. So it kind of depends on how they handle it. Um, but now because the timing is closer, uh, the launch of Cyberpunk with the launch of PS5, um, then it kind of potentially changes some things in the way I uh, plan things out, but still some questions had to be answered. Yeah, so for me, obviously, Xbox has had backwards compatibility on this generation, and PlayStation's looking to do that in the same kind of way with next gen. Uh, with Xbox, your game saves are also playable, right, for the, the previous gen games, like on 360. Uh, Man. I, I still have I my cloud saves. Out? Yeah. Um, I forgot, because they're good at that shit um so i had played halo 5 like two years ago or something or i don't know it was a long time ago she played through the campaign um and it was a fun game and i i forgot about it um and then a few months ago i just uh for shits and gigs got uh, i tried out the x cloud beta right yeah boot up actually i don't even really boot it up it gets booted up somewhere in you know uh, seattle or whatever um or Washington, whatever, wherever their server. Probably for are. you, a server in Chicago, I'd assume. Probably Chicago. That's a good point. That's where all the emails go through for Microsoft in Chicago. But anyway, yeah. Um, booted up on the XCloud beta, and then it fires me up right from where my last save was back when I played it on my Xbox at home, at least a year ago. I think it was almost two years ago. Like, I didn't even know that I had a save. That was uploaded the cloud, somewhere. Baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not only did was it uploaded, so I could have you know, you know, re- rebuilt it like uh, at home on a new console or something, but straight into XCloud, even in beta, that was like seamless and fun. I have other thoughts on XCloud overall um, based on the beta, but that part of it, I was like, holy shit, that's that's sweet. I didn't even think of that, and like, boom, here I am. And I was on the last mission or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty good at that cloud save thing. I'm, <laughs> Well, so gathered. we don't know exactly how PlayStation 5's backwards compatibility is going to function with cloud saves and stuff, so I can't speak to that. But for Xbox, I know for certain because of my experience with it that if I buy Cyberpunk in September, I start playing it. The day Xbox comes out, Xbox Series X, and I buy that thing and I download Cyberpunk, the Xbox One release version of it, I'll have my cloud save and I can just continue playing. You know, I would just about guarantee that you're right, yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't really change anything for me. Uh, but I, I could see where you're coming from, especially if it's a game somebody's looking forward to. It's just for if you own an Xbox right now and you're planning to get the Series X, I don't think there should be any hesitation in picking up Cyberpunk in September because you know it's going to work on the Series X. Like you're going to be able to play it, um, especially if you're already planning to like play Halo Infinite at launch and stuff like that. Um, but Maybe you don't pick up the Series X and you play Cyberpunk so you're not tempted to stop and play a different game and, you know, have it get lost in your backlog. Who knows? But, sorry. The, other, the, other, the other variable is obviously, like, well, what else um, is coming out? And especially on the, the PlayStation side, it's like, well, is there going to be a, another, um, you know, PlayStation 5 or, you know, or, or a next-gen exclusive game that I really want, like, to play on the that console as opposed to the ps4 um, in that case then it gets even trickier um, yeah that's kind of the other variable i didn't mention that's obviously you know if, if horizon zero dawn 2 launches you know in november december only on ps5 
Um, I don't... I think it's possible. Um, more likely probably the following year, but, you know, that would that would really influence and that would make things even trickier. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what to do, but, yeah. Well, the thing that Cyberpunk ruins for me, and I say ruins, not really ruins, but changes and alters, is that the new Assassin's Creed game, obviously it's rumored to be Ragnarok, mm-hmm. but we know when his new mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed game is coming out, those always come out in October, right? Like clockwork. So this coming out mid-September, that means that instead of me jumping on that in October because I'm impatient, Maybe playing through Cyberpunk will let me be like, I'll wait till my I pick up my Series X in November, we're assuming, might come out in October, and I can just play that then, right? So it kind of helps me in a way because I I can just wait for that new Assassin's Creed game on Series X. You know what I mean? So who knows? We'll see. Just, it, we can get into a longer conversation uh, a different time, I guess, but I'm just struggling to justify like the leap to next gen right now. Um, if it's only going to be, you know, enhanced resolution, um, at the start or whatever. Right. Um, and that's kind of why I'm like, I don't know. I'd rather just play cyberpunk on PS4 and wait, um, half a year or something to upgrade. If like, if all they're going to do is just, well, the resolution's higher. I'm like, well, then I'll just wait, I guess. Um, cause I already like made that jump when they, that was basically the jump to, from PS4 to PS4 pro. Right. Which is great. Um, but like, we're kind of all going to be. Uh, capped at 4k like in uh, 60 frames per second right so like once they've hit that um which especially on the xbox side they already have with one x so it's like what extra are you getting um by going to next gen at this point that's what but i'm curious to see how they sell that you also have to think about it is not ever like most people who own a ps4 or xbox one don't own the x or the pro you know? Right, right. So yeah. the jump for, especially like me, I still run on it. I don't even have an S. I have an OG VCR, right? Yeah. So I, I get you. I could care less about visual fidelity, like the way something looks. I mean, I care, but like that jump isn't going to be astronomical. The performance thing, I think, will be the most um, easy to identify upgrade for people who own the base PS4 or the Xbox One. The, you know, mm-hmm. not stuttering, especially with the game like Cyberpunk, man. You're talking about a game that is going to... Anyone who owns a base Xbox One or PS4 that grabs that thing, even maybe a PS4 Pro from what I've heard with the fan issues, you're going to be having a jet engine in your living room when that game comes out, undoubtedly. I guess, I guess the biggest, or another large piece of it is going to be the loading times too, especially on those those types of games. Yeah, um, it is a question for people to have, but that's the thing is we've had this question for generations of like when the PS4 and Xbox One came out, people, the people who aren't going to upgrade aren't going to upgrade. It's that with the fact that everything's backwards compatible now, they're having the people who normally would buy day one for sure, maybe not for sure, but pretty certain like you and me, questioning of like, is it worth it? I'm, I'm always going to lean towards getting it because I like being an early adopter for stuff I believe in, right? I'm not just going to early adopt anything. And honestly, for, uh, you, do you have a PS4 Pro or do you still have a PS4? The Pro. See, I, like I talked about, I have the base Xbox One, so I have the biggest incentive to just upgrade, right? I've staved off buying an Xbox One X or a One S. It's like, there is a new generation. I've needed to upgrade to my console, so might as well just do that. Why would I, this year, why would I buy an S or an X? You know what I mean? Right. So, I get where you're coming from, though. It's a, it's a tough conversation to have. Um, so those are the delays. Uh, obviously, it's always better for a game to be delayed because it means we're going to get the best version of that game. My one concern is I didn't like how Cyberpunk put in their 
PR release that they want to make this game perfect because obviously nothing's perfect and you're going to have the people who don't understand what they mean by that to be like, you know, when the game comes out and it has bugs and it has issues because it's going to, you know, with the scope of the games they make, they're going to be issues on day one. People are going to be like, well, you said you delayed it for it to be perfect. That's the whole reason we waited till September. You know how those people are. Yeah, I think people need to, I mean, semantics are important because <laughs> I think perfect, um, even the word, even the, like 10 out of 10, that doesn't mean without issue right because like there's this thing yeah. called rounding right so like 99 999 out of a thousand is still 10 out of 10 right so perfect yeah is a, a, you know it's, it's a word um and the way you hear it and what it means i, I guess is important semantically i would have loved it they said to make it the highest quality game it possibly could be that's what I would have appreciated, but once again, I don't really care. I'm no. not going to lambast them over Twitter because it has some bugs at launch. Right. You know? I still I like perfect. I mean, I like that that's what they're going for, I guess, but yeah, it's a high high mark. Well, yeah. Um, so we were planning on doing that and then hopping right into the game awards uh, for the not the game awards, the controlled interest game awards for the year. Uh, but Matt Piscatella hit us with some steamy MPD numbers right before steamy. we went live. So we're going to go over two different things, the top-selling games for 2019 and the top-selling games for the decade, okay? So the top-selling games for 2019 work as this. And remember, Nintendo games don't count digital sales. That's very key in this. Number 10, Mario Kart 8. Number 9, The Division 2. Held on. Number 8, nice. Kingdom Hearts 3. Held on. <laughs> Number 7, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Number 6, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Remember, that game was only out a couple of months. Mortal Kombat 11 at number 5. Number 4, also only a couple of months. Borderlands 3. Number... Can you guess number 3, number 2, and number 1, Dom? Uh, one is going to be Call of Duty. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Two, um... said Mortal Kombat. We said Fallen Order. What's the genre of video games that sells like hotcakes but often gets overlooked by games industry media? uh what are we madden or nba both of them ding 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 (laughs) yeah so uh three is madden two is nba one is call of duty pretty by the nose by the numbers you'd assume that'd be the case some people were wondering what about pokemon pokemon's not on this list once again Mm -hmm. nintendo doesn't do digital numbers i would guarantee if digital was on there because most people i know personally bought it digitally i know very few people actually bought it physical Obviously, I'm trying to extrapolate from that personal experience, but I, I would guarantee the way they said it broke franchise records upon release that if they counted digital, it would be on the top 10. And same so, thing, too, where that came out real late, right? Wasn't it November? So Exactly, yeah. What's, yeah. Uh, and next up, we're going to be going over uh, the best-selling... I guess before we get to the best-selling games of the decade, there was an interesting tidbit for Jedi Fallen Order, Dom. So... With only two months in the market, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order became Respawn Entertainment's best-selling game of all time, which is always great for people to be rewarded. Um, You think about it, Titanfall came out at launch. Titanfall 2 had a great single player, but didn't sell very well because it got released like the same week or in the same two-week span as Battlefield 4. And then obviously Apex Legends was free. So we're not talking profit, we're talking best-selling. I'm assuming Apex is probably their most profitable game of all time. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. And uh, it landed at number six on list only being available for two months, which is awesome. Now, a list that's 
<laughs> you're not going to be surprised by uh, the top selling games of the decade, Dom. If you were to guess how many of these were Call of Duty games, how many would you guess? Top 10 of the decade? I don't know, probably at least five. Eight. <laughs> seven. 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 As I yeah. miscounted. So, at number 10, Minecraft. Okay. Really? This is on dollar sales. Remember, Minecraft's a $20 game. Shit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was going to be much higher, but when they said it was based on dollar sales, then I'm like, okay, number 10 you makes know, sense. And I think it's even cheaper, like, on iPad. And iPad oh, yeah, it's like 10 or 5 bucks or whatever, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think there's also deals for, like, if you already own it, you can buy, like, a second family account for cheaper. Um, so, yeah, remember, this isn't based on units sold. This is on dollar sales. Number 9, Black Ops 4. Number 8, Call of Duty World War II. Number 7, Red Dead Redemption 2. Number six, Call of Duty Ghosts. Number five, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Number four, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Number three, Call of Duty Black Ops 2. Number two, Call of Duty Black Ops. And your number one game of the decade that still charts in the MPD to this day, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 5. So if you look at that list... Two of them are Rockstar games, which we know that that's the only time ever anyone challenges Call of Duty for the best-selling game of the year, right? And it's evident by this list. And Minecraft, which is, I think, currently and technically the best-selling game of all time in terms of unit sales. Uh, it recently, in the last like year and a half, past Tetris. So, there's your list. No really surprises there. Uh, Matt Piscatel actually extrapolated on those numbers a little bit. And... Uh, so for the 11th consecutive year, Call of Duty has been the year's best-selling franchise, which is insane. Wait, 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 wait. Say that one more time. For the 11th consecutive year, Call of Duty has been the year's best-selling franchise. So Call of Duty, Black Ops 4 sold more copies than Red Dead Redemption 2 the year they came out? I, According to this... It's based on United States dollar sales, remember. Oh, yeah. U.S. only. Okay. Yeah. So, and also, Call of Duty, uh, the Call of Duty franchise releases account for 10 of the top 15 best-selling games of the decade. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. any drop-off there, we're still going to be seeing Call of Duty for quite a while. That franchise is far from dead. Uh, just a powerhouse in the industry I mean, they um, just put out what is apparently like a fucking really good mobile version but i want no part of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I ain't having it uh, modern warfare this year is is good i i've enjoyed it i like oh, the campaign no. yeah and the multiplayer is solid too has the I typical mean, issues of call good, of duty but they're good games like they're uh <clears throat> maybe formulaic at times but these are very consistent and uh, good games and addictive well, type games. So. Well, mechanically, they're they're often the the best or at least near the top yeah. every year with their shooting mechanics. So it's like mm -hmm. they're just well-made games. Uh, let's hop into this game of the year stuff. So the way we're going to do it is uh, I really want us to focus on our top three personally, as in like big talking points. The rest of the list, I want us to go through kind of quickly. Not You don't necessarily have to do one word, but like a couple of sentences for why it's there on your list, right? I, uh, um, I really appreciate that. I think that's better because, um, I mean, I didn't even hardly play that many games that came out this year. So I don't even think I 
have nine, eight or nine total. So the top three are more meaningful than like the top 10 for me, right? Yeah. So the way we're going to do it is I'm going to go over Jordan's list first. Then I'm going to go, then we're going to do Dom's. Then we're going to do mine. Then we're going to do game of the year. And then we'll give our side little awards for our personal things. And I had three categories. Oh, actually, Dom, you came up with one of them, right? Uh, Or did you come up with two of them? One of them, I think. Just the one. So one of them is the game we wanted more time with. So this is either a game you weren't able to get to at all, right? You didn't play any of it, but you wanted to. Or a game you played some of and you weren't able to finish and you wanted to go back, right? Falls anywhere in that category. Just a game you didn't feel like you completed. Not necessarily see the credits roll, but you didn't feel complete by the time you ended your your time with that game or you didn't even start it. Second one is played first in 2019. So this is a game that you really enjoyed in 2019 but didn't release in 2019. So it's an older game, not a 2019 game. Could have been a 2018 game. Could have been a 1995 game. Who knows? And the last one, uh, this was your suggestion, right? Or was it the was it this yeah. one the disappoint yeah. your biggest disappointment, <laughs> yeah. uh, which we all had a very clear one, which is cool. So for Jordan, let's get into his goatee list. Number ten, Anthem. I think this is a product of him not playing more than ten games and it making his list. <laughs> uh, this one was quite a shocker. I knew he didn't like this game. He didn't he didn't love this game, but I think over the course of the year, as he ruminated on it, he liked it less and less. So Kingdom Hearts three is his number nine game, which if you know Jordan and Dom, they love Kingdom Hearts and they were very excited for that game. So it, it sucks that he just felt that way about that game, but hey, it happens. Number eight, Blasphemous. This was actually a contender for my need more time with. This is a game I wanted to get to and play. This is the 2D pixel art style, Dark Souls, Bloodborne-y. Uh, with, I think it's Metroidvania, isn't it? To yeah, some extent. With, with absolutely like brutal kill animations metal as hell yeah i'm all <laughs> yeah. about that kind of shit this is one that I, I i should have put that on my uh wish i had more time with too because that's this is like so much about it is right up my alley so both of us we're the we're the yeah. from guys and it's just like yeah. yeah we didn't get to it or you played it i didn't even get to it right i didn't even touch it you no. didn't even play it i thought you started it my bad uh number seven uh this is a game that i think jordan started but he never uh completed Sekiro shadows die twice uh wouldn't be surprised if that's on uh, Domini's list. Just look forward to that. Uh, number six, Katana Zero. Love that game. Uh, I was personally a little upset that it didn't get more love at the Game Awards, uh, especially for, like, soundtrack of the year. Really solid indie title. Uh, number five, uh, I thought this was going to be higher up for Jordan personally. Borderlands 3. I thought this was going to be because he, once again, he loves Borderlands. He was looking forward to this game. But when he played it, it was more of that uh, – the Fallout 4 thing for us where we enjoy it, but it's not revolutionary for the franchise, right? So it's hard to, like, super love it. It's just more of the same. It's like comfort food in a way. Uh, number four, Pokemon Shield, which is surprising for me. I thought this was going to be lower on the list. Uh, he had a lot more uh, issues with the game, rightfully so. I think I'm a little bit more forgiving when it comes to the Pokemon franchise. Um, and, you know, I think let's you know let's dive into the psyche of Jordan while, while he's not here, of course. Um, <laughs> I think... Um, he ends up. He sometimes comes off super critical, but he actually does like stuff more than we think. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's not a curmudgeon. Uh, no, no. Uh, number three, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Um, I I'm I'm glad that he enjoyed something Star Wars this year. I know he liked Mandalorian. Obviously, he probably had his issues with Rise of Skywalker. Um, 
But yeah, this was a solid game. Once again, this will likely be on Domini's list, so continue listening for that. Uh, number two, Control. This is another game that I remember Jordan had a lot of issues, rightfully so with the ending of this game, because it gets very convoluted and overly difficult for no reason whatsoever. Um, but this game's beautiful. Art style, just everything about it. Game direction is awesome. Um, didn't sell particularly well. It sold good for what uh, Remedy wanted it to. Um, but yeah, I didn't, it didn't, I don't even think it charted MPD the month it came out, unfortunately, which sucks for a game of its caliber. And I, it won IGN's game of the year. So shout out to control. Uh, and number one, uh, fire emblem three houses. So the JRPG, no uh, yeah, this is a game I wanted to get to, but I never had a chance. It isn't all I need more time with, but yeah, his number one game, uh, is fire emblem three houses. And this is a game that I, if I remember correctly, he started and then restarted, right? Because he changed like the difficulty or something to permadeath, I think is what the case that was. That sounds right. Because I think I remember commenting that when you do that, that says a lot about how much you like the game to be willing to restart yeah progress. uh i guess we'll get into his stuff real quick so the game he said he needed more time with was beat saber uh just a really cool game arguably the uh killer app for vr uh, is beat saber i've seen so many stories of people falling in love with that game it kind of struck the chord with a lot of guitar hero and ddr kids mm-hmm. um that wanted that kind of interaction with the music style game so not surprised there Healthy too Exactly, yeah. You can get fit. <laughs> uh, there's some really cool training regimens where people put on, like, weighted vests and, like, uh, wrist weights and stuff. And you can actually get a pretty decent uh, cardio workout that way. Um, get some, like, buff shoulders with that. <laughs> yeah, oh. right. Uh, and his played first in 2019 was Final Fantasy VII. Uh, we had gone back and forth on this uh, earlier in the year because I was debating whether or not to play it. And I just decided I'm going to wait till it's closer to the release of the game. And then we found out it's not coming to Xbox until 2021. So I'm going to be waiting a little bit longer personally. But it's cool to see that was uh, the game he played first in 2019 and he enjoyed the most. It wasn't necessarily a 2019 game. Uh, and his biggest disappointment, I thought, was going to be Anthem. But if you look at his list, you'd be like, oh, yeah, his biggest disappointment was Kingdom Hearts 3. Obviously. Uh, I don't think his expectations were sky high for Anthem the way they were for Kingdom Hearts 3. I think he liked Anthem less than Kingdom Hearts 3, but his expectations for that series and his love of Kingdom Hearts, I think, is what made it his biggest disappointment, right? So, that's X, unfortunate. X, 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 triangle. Repeat. <laughs> that's the game. Uh, yeah, we don't say cross. We're an X household. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, Dom, hit us with your goatee list. <clears throat> Shoot. Okay. Uh, Disappointment 2019. The Dark Pictures Anthology? Is that the, the precursor? Whatever. Yeah. Man of Madan uh, from the, uh, the Until Dawn studio that I'm blanking on the name of right now. Um, holy crap. Why can't I think of what those guys were? Anyway, uh, I was super pumped for this game. Until Dawn was it was absolutely phenomenal um it was a adventure style horror game uh really really took all the horror tropes and i don't know it was just super fun super fun to play uh with other people too with you um but man of madan just broken in a lot of ways very technically screwed up just chugging and glitching and 
frames just stopping and starting all over the damn place. Um, and in addition to that, while the story started out like, oh, this could be interesting, like this is this is a good start, it very quickly turns into absolute nonsense. And when you're the game you're playing because the story is nonsense, you're going through like these. Uh, repeating dark hallways that are completely meaningless and it it just turns into a giant garbled mess of fucking bad skrillex music and i was it it bummed me out because i was looking forward to this so much and it was i I could never have imagined i wouldn't like it and i'm typically not overly critical of stuff (laughs) and this was this game was just bad super Um, massive games by the way super massive games I have faith that with the next game in their anthology, they're gonna do better, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play it either way. So. Well, with the shorter the shorter games and the dev cycle turnaround, I think part of that is to learn from their mistakes, right, and be able to fix things. So, hopefully, we see. I, I like the the idea of the the anthology. I just want them to nail it the way they did with Until Dawn. So I'm with you there. Yeah, because even Until Dawn, if I had to critique it, I could I could say it was a little long. Um, and you kind of like, you know, it's like a campy horror story. So like, you can only do that for so long. Right. Um, so yeah, I was into the short story version of this, but this game just missed the mark in a lot of ways. Um, uh, moving on a game that I didn't, that or rather that didn't come out in 2019 that I played in 2019. Uh, this was an easy one. Uh, Red Dead Redemption two it took up the majority. Uh, Arthur. Chunk. <laughs> yeah. It took up a huge <laughs> chunk of my, of my year. Um, but damn, I was glad because uh, this was one I missed in 2018, the year that also included, you know, Spider-Man and God of War um, and a few other really good games. So Red Dead 2 just, especially having not had played the first one, uh, was one I missed in 2018. So I uh, was glad I got back around to it in 2019 because damn, damn. Can I confess something to you? It's a good game. Yeah, of course. I think with next gen, once I get myself a, uh, a 4K monitor or whatever, or at least, you know, capable of it. Uh, I think I'm going to replay through Red Dead Redemption 2 on the Xbox Series X. I've been, like, yearning to replay through it again. I love that game so much. Ugh. Yeah, it uh, it looks incredible. I mean, graphically, it's, it's, it's absurd. Um, the attention to detail and every little thing that occurs in the game is just, it's nuts. So, and actually, while I was playing Days Gone, which I may not mention again, may or may not, um, you know, you, you can hunt and you hunt a deer and then you go to skin the deer, right? And then uh, as you do it, the camera kind of turns and it faces up towards Deacon, the protagonist, and you don't see the deer being cut open, right? And then <laughs> yeah. it just turns into an item in your inventory, which is totally fine. That's, that's great. I mean, it still yeah. looks good. You know what I mean? No one would ever fault them for that. But in Red Dead Redemption 2, every animal you hunt, you get like the most detailed, fleshed out little animation of Arthur cutting Ripping and the skin the off, yeah. And <laughs> you hear not- it? And I'm not, I don't know what it looks like, but I, it looks what I would imagine to be damn realistic. Um, so as somebody so yeah. who grew up with relatives who hunted a lot and seeing them skin animals like an, right after they got back from their hunt, it pretty authentic. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> Less I, I blood, so. but pretty authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just, that's just one example, but that's the entire game is like the attention to detail they put into every little thing is just, it's unworldly and there's not necessarily like i'm not necessarily like having a grand old fun time watching arthur skin a deer you know gameplay wise but i i i liked it 
I, you know, I mean, like I love that kind of stuff. Um, I could see where some people might be like, all right, here we go again. But I, man, I could, I could appreciate that kind of thing all day. And then of course the story is just the characters and the story and the world, uh, the world, especially as a result of the, the attention to detail I mentioned, like it's all super, super good. Um, like, yeah, I could talk a lot. I could talk about how good Red Dead 2 is for a long time. But, yeah. Um, for Needed More Time With, um, this was an easy one. So I even I have Death Stranding just sitting down next to my console. I booted it up, played the first, like, three hours, and just was like, whoa, okay. Um, I don't have time for this right now. <laughs> I want to do this, but I just can't. I got to be in the right state of mind for this shit. This is something yeah. else. <laughs> Pun intended, it's a walk. It is a walk, and it, uh, from what I've heard, it does deliver. <laughs> um, nice. The, I mean, it, the biggest thing, though, like, at that moment where I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta stop this, and I ended up switching into watching, you know, fucking Star Wars Rebels, which is the exact opposite of that game. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Death Stranding, um, everything I've, re- I've read about it and heard about it, like, I'm in, and I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna like this, but one thing it does is, it's a whole crazy new world and you know, you have to learn about like all the weird stuff that's going on and it all makes sense, but you have to learn and it, and it tells you like, Oh, this was the death stranding. And they explain what that was. And this is what a BT is. And they explain what that was. This is what a BB is. And there's all this new vocabulary all at the beginning of kind of like explaining to you how everything works in this world. Yeah. It's just a lot uh, to learn. Um, every single thing that happens, like there's vocabulary and a new word that goes along with it. And sometimes they don't need to do that. They could have just called that something else. For you know, there's a word in English for that, Kojima. You could have used, <laughs> um, but they really like to give you exposition, I guess, on what they're creating. So that kind of like I was like, I can't think about all this shit right now. I need to turn my brain off for sure. Anyway, I do want to spend more time with it though. So uh, as far as top. I don't even know how many I have, like eight or eight or nine. Seven you or have nine. nine. Um, Kingdom Hearts three. I have a nine. Um, I I didn't have the highest of expectations for it, but um, a couple of the worlds were really cool. Toy Story World was was incredible. Mostly, um, the story was all right. Um, it was understandable and it was good. I guess nothing crazy, um, but the gameplay was just extremely repetitive. Um, and while at times like all the special moves and bonus moves and stuff like that you can get are like really cool and fun to watch. Um, it's, you just, like I mentioned before, you're just pushing X 10 times and then pushing triangle for your bonus move after your thing had built up. And then you're doing that over and over again. Um, so the gameplay just wasn't uh, as engaging as I would have liked. And that some of the newer worlds, particularly the one that I remember the most, the frozen world was just awful. It was just dumb because it was just all white. There's a couple trees, I think you slid down a hill once with snow, but it was just a lot of white, a lot of white areas, and that's it. It was the opposite of uh, an area in Red Dead Redemption 2. You know, there's just no detail. It was just <laughs> trees and white. I don't know. Then a few of the others were like that too, where it was just unremarkable. Um, you know, not necessarily anything wrong, but it's just they could have done better. I hate to be so critical, but yeah. Kingdom Hearts 3. Next, <clears throat> Cadence of Hyrule. The Legend of Zelda, prefix, suffix, whatever else was included in that crazy title. Um, this was a fun game. It was a musical game that was a 2D top-down Zelda game that you had to play according to a beat. And it was fun. But didn't you turn that off? Yes. 
<laughs> um, so you didn't so have to play to the beat. <laughs> normally, um, every every move, um, whether it be a sword swipe or a movement to the next you know piece of the grid, everything you do or didn't do had to align with the beat of the music that was playing. Um, I turned that off. So once you turn it off like that, then you take that element out. Um, the mu- you still listen to the music, which is really good. Uh, excellent music in this game. I'll say it's like remixes of uh, Zelda songs. So that's really cool. Um, but the way I played it without, the, without requiring the movements to the beat still made it like a, a, a strategic puzzle game. I could actually like sit and stop and not have to move even though the beat's still going. Because like, man, that would be difficult. Um, but yeah, you're looking at the whole grid of the screen and like, you know that enemy is going to move down once you move up. So it turns in a little chess match, which is a really cool um, spin on like the, the typical 2D Zelda gameplay. Um, but yeah, still a, sh- a short game, but it was, you know, uh, a cheaper game too. But it was really fun. So I think it was cool that they uh, allowed a different an indie studio to uh, take the franchise and put their own spin on it. So Cadence of Hyrule, number eight. Number seven, Gears 5. Not Gears of War 5, but just Gears 5. Courtesy of Xbox Game Pass. Thank you, Phil. Best value around. Um, this is probably, and it's it's been a long time, like probably a decade since I played um, Gears 1, 2, and 3. Um, but I feel like, I think it was Gears 2 or 3, the story um, where there's big things happen, certain characters uh, don't survive. There was some Two. emotional... Yeah, emotional heavy moments in, in that game that uh, I can't remember all the details of, but like it's, it stuck with me. Um, but Gears 5 uh, has a lot of that too. Um, and it's just a way more polished version um, of all the previous Gears games, but with overall better characters and uh, a better story and more engaging. Um, the gameplay isn't <clears throat> necessarily anything new and crazy it's just a way it's just a better version um with a few new things thrown in um but yeah this was a great game and uh, i don't know it was, it was an awesome it was i, I want to say it's the best gears game i don't think i'm crazy to say that either I think, yeah, <laughs> i'm gonna go uh, for for these next couple ones let's pick up the pace a little bit because we're yeah we're... man next uh outer worlds this is uh obsidian and they made a Fallout game in space, and it's pretty damn cool. Um, it hit on all the marks of uh, what I wanted out of Fallout 4 um, with, like, you know, all the dialogue options and RPG elements. It had all that stuff. Um, and it just was missing a little bit of the, the the charm that the Fallout games typically have. Like, it still goes for a lot of that humor, um, but it just doesn't quite... It doesn't have the same, like, meaning, I guess. Um yeah, they try to create their own new little mascot guy and some stuff, but it just feels almost a little cheap. Like, I don't want to say a knockoff version of Fallout because it does uh, a lot of things better. Um, but in terms of like trying to have its own character, I think it just kind of misses the mark a little bit. But still, an awesome game. Uh, also, thank you, Phil, for Game Pass. Also, Game Pass gave me that one. So, kudos to Game Pass. Next, uh, the Link's Awakening remaster. Um, probably, I mean. It looks incredible. The new art style is fantastic, and I enjoyed uh, replaying Link's Awakening on the Switch. That being said, this was, uh, it reminded me, like, oh, yeah, Link's Awakening is kind of, like, lower on my list of favorite Zelda games. Um, still, like, that's, you know, that's still a great game. You know, that's that's not necessarily a knock. 
saying you're one of the worst Zelda games is still like one of the better games ever. So, uh, Link's Awakening next, Resident Evil 2 remake. Um, never played the original Resident Evils, you know, one through three, back on like PS1. Um, so this was totally new, but uh, graphically, what they were able to accomplish with this game was really cool. Um, I'd, I'll always remember like a zombie coming towards you slowly, sticks its hand up um, as it reaches out for you, shooting the zombie, and the, you can see the bullet hole go through uh, and take off a chunk specifically of the zombie's hand. Um, and then like kind of the blood and parts of it just dripping and, and hanging off of the hand. That's the kind of stuff uh, similar to uh, to Red Dead Redemption, the kind of detail they put in, um, but like in gameplay and like, I don't know, uh, it was just a super awesome game. And having uh, Mr. X or uh, Nemesis, whatever the hell he is, uh, follow you around and hearing his footsteps from a room away is just haunting. And I, I absolutely love that kind of shit. So the game was absolutely excellent. Next is Days Gone. So I'm actually not even done with the, the story in this game. Um, I'm gathering it's going to be a long one. <laughs> um, but uh, the best thing I can say about this is it puts together a lot of parts of other games, uh, specifically The Last of Us um, and Far Cry, which are two games I absolutely love. So combining those two things and then also throwing in, you know, Sons of Anarchy, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which is a show I really liked, um, even for its like corniness. Um, there's something about like biker culture that's just really cheesy but also hyper violent i don't know it's a weird thing but anyway yeah so this game takes a lot of all like those three things and melds them together really really well um the biggest thing i can say about this was um i think i mentioned it last week but in one of the early trailers of gameplay you see one of the hordes of zombies coming at at you and you're just mowing them down with an assault rifle and they kind of just fell back each of them fell backwards as if they were made out of paper and it looked really dumb and not like impactful but actually getting into this game and playing it it's much closer to the last of us where like you know two or three zombies is extremely threatening and each each one of them has like a lot of weight to them um and are hard to take down um but yeah it's the gameplay is excellent from the shooting mechanics the the melee the stealth um and so far, the story, even despite a weirdly weird intro cutscene, the story is really, really engaging so far. So even though I'm not done with it, I felt it was worthy of a spot on the list. Um, awesome. Number so three. Sticks the landing. High. Yeah. Um, next. The t- one and two I struggled with uh, uh, picking a spot. These could really go either way, and I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't have a problem. But for two, I said Sekiro, a game that... Apparently, I played for 100 hours, which is nuts to me because I don't even know where those hours came from. I certainly don't have them available to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, um, what I can say like more than anything about what this game did that I loved was uh, – <clears throat> sorry. Uh, so this game basically gave me the Dark Souls 1 experience of playing that game for the first time. It gave me that all again. So Dark Souls 2 and 3, um, and even a little bit of Bloodborne, excuse me, as I fix my camera, which apparently doesn't want to stay up. Um, so Dark Souls 2 and 3, um, already super familiar with how the combat works and how the game flows and um, how the areas work, things like that. Damn it. Um, they didn't quite have the same moment of like, you know, when you 
clear that first area and beat that first boss, that same feeling of accomplishment, you don't quite get that once you're so used to it. Um, but Sekiro, even for someone who's played a shit ton of Dark Souls, the combat is entirely different. Um, there's some similarities, but the core of it is so different that um, you basically have to relearn everything. Because as coming into it, like a Dark Souls game, you just get your shit handed to you over and over. Um, Miyazaki found a way to like redo the combat. And even for those of us who had gotten so good at mastering his games, um, found a way to make us learn it all again. Um, but with that means you also get those same feelings of accomplishment when you first beat Genichiro and the owl and uh, some of the other bosses. Uh, the guardian ape was also a great one. There's a handful that are just such good boss fights in this game. Um, and each step of the way is you learn new mechanics and the combat gets deeper and deeper you keep on getting those same feelings of like just absolute like uh euphoria when you finally take down a boss um and then you're better for it afterwards so it's it's those same feelings you love about uh, a dark souls game the first time you go through it but reinvented and redone and you get to re-experience it but in a different way um so i i yeah i can't this game is just spectacular so one uh at this point should be no surprise is Jedi Fallen Order so probably the best Star Wars game I can think of that I've ever played that seems weird to say but I uh, can't think of a better one because yeah this game was um, Force Unleashed 2 are you kidding me I'm obviously joking <laughs> yeah no and I've actually been interested in those Force Unleashed games never mm. played them but I heard they're alright um, alright's yeah. a good word to describe them <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> fair enough so for one, this does um, all the Star Wars stuff really well. Um, it's set in a period in the Star Wars universe and time that is really interesting, and there's a lot to explore there. Plus, you get a lot of uh, you know powerful boss-type enemies that you can use that don't necessarily impact the canon universe all that much, and you don't have to worry about, like, well... Because the problem with these types of games... Um, that exist in a larger world where there's movies and this, that, and the other thing is you know what can and can't happen. You What can and cannot happen, right? You know you're not going to kill Darth Maul in this game, right? Like, that, you just know you're not going to. Um, but there's a... The way... Uh, where where this game takes place in the world without spoiling things, you know, it lets them, uh, you know, use the Inquisitors, for example, uh, as kind of like bad guys that you can do things with in the story that uh you know give give the writers freedom i guess um the combat is kind of a an easier version of what you're doing in sekiro and not as deep but that's all right because it's still really fun um but then they also throw in uh you know metroidvania style exploration throughout the worlds um and then some climbing and sliding elements of uncharted and uh, some big set piece cutscenes, uh, a lot Uncharted as well. So it does it does a lot of things from different games and mushes them all together, puts a really really polished coat of Star Wars paint on all of it, um, and it comes out to like an absolutely excellent game that I'm still mad that EA spoiled in a commercial, but that's all right. Um, minor spoiler for one moment in the game is all. And the sliding was just awful, actually. I don't know, like all the sliding in this game, like they should have just not. Done I, that. I've I seen people complain awful. about that, and I love the sliding. My oh, thing was man. the rope swinging. I hated the rope swinging. 
I could do without any of the rope swinging. I loved the sliding. The rope swinging was excellent, I thought, especially once you learned to force pull. I guess spoilers. I don't know. Whatever. And then you can. Pull is not spoilers. It's a Star Wars game. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, once you have to like jump and then pull while you're in the air to reach the next rope. I don't know. I thought that got cool uh, pretty quickly. But the sliding, it was like. There was like three in particular that I must have attempted each slide and then jump like 50 fucking times. Because I'd. I don't know. It's just the worst sliding mechanic I've ever seen in a game. I don't know how that passed any kind of testing. See, I, I never had. I, I, I literally had no, no issues with it, and the only time I ever had to redo a jump, it took me like one extra try. And that's just my experience. That's why when I hear people talking about this, I'm like, why do you guys hate it so much? And they're like, oh, well, I had to try this jump 50 times. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. So, um, and you want me to go with my list? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, one thing is like uh, the top of our lists are similar through all three of us, but there's a lot of variety, which is really cool. So I'll. Uh... Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure if I should keep talking. Uh, so number 10 on my list is uh, Katana Zero, which is, uh, you know, an indie game I was looking forward to for quite a while. And it delivered. Uh, like I said before, I wish it got a little bit more love at the Game Awards, but neither here nor there. Katana Zero is number 10 on my list. Uh, number 9, which most people would assume would be higher on my list, uh, is Pokemon Sword. Um, I really like the game. It just when I was looking at all the games I played in 2019, it just felt right putting it at number 9. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, I actually loved all the games on my list. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3 didn't make my list, and there was quite a, a number of other games I didn't make my list. Uh, number 8, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, during the MPD section of this podcast, I briefly talked about how much I love the campaign, and the multiplayer is really solid. Number 7, Link's Awakening. Really enjoyed it uh, for what it was. Still think it's vastly overpriced for what it is, yeah, but still really enjoyed it. Love the art style. Number 6, Super Mario Maker 2. Love this game so much. It's a game I actually pop on uh, every couple of days and do some uh, random levels and such. Some um, There's a, a game mode in Super Mario Maker, if you're not familiar, Dom, where it gives you a set amount of lives depending on what difficulty you play on. And I usually play an expert, so it gives you 15 lives, and you have to see how many lives you can complete before you run. How many levels do you can complete before you run out of lives? It's really cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, that it's is, really fun. That does sound cool. A lot of replayability there with all the you know user user generated levels. I was trying to say created and generated at the same time. It wasn't coming out clearly. Man, uh, that's the type of game that if I had had that like when I was in you know elementary school or even middle school, like the amount of replayability and the amount of variation, like I would have consumed that for just you know hundreds of hours. <laughs> the amount of hours I would have spent sitting there with graph paper designing my own levels would have been exactly. insane. Yeah. Uh, number five, the only game on this list I didn't complete, Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. Uh, I tried and tried. I just it wasn't really a, a super like difficult thing of like I guess the issues people have with from software games. It just felt unfair in many moments. Uh, the way the last level was designed towards the end, it's just like this isn't difficult to try to test my skills. It's difficult because it wants me to continue playing this game. You know what I mean? That being said, the rest of that game is incredible. Some of the best uh, platforming. Uh, people who love Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze would easily love this game. Really had a blast with it. I can't wait to see what they do next. Uh, I'm interested to see if they go another genre with the third game. Because the first game, 3D platformer. 
Second game, 3D platform open uh, overworld, but the actual levels were uh, 2D platformers. So I'd be really interested to see what they do with the third title in that series. Kart Racer. <laughs> hey, man, you never know. Uh, number four, Control. Really love this game. I think the thing that hurt this game for me the most was the ending and the fact I was playing it on a launch Xbox One. I think if I would have played it on an S or an X, I would have had a better time with it overall in terms of performance, but really still enjoyed the game. I'm still holding out hope for Alan Wake uh, to return at some point. I liked Quantum Break. Like I'm actually a pretty big Remedy fan now, You know when I look back at their game, so I hope this game gets a sequel. It's... I like Control the way that people like the Metal Gear games or even Death Stranding. I'm like, it's so weird in a very artsy way that I just love it, right? So, shout out to the janitor in that game, too, who blares one of the coolest songs that I've heard in video games. Um, it was actually up for a game award, I believe. Now, the top three. Now, here's the thing, Dom. You talked about your number one and your number two. Going to go back and forth. You had so, much <laughs> so many issues with it. For, like, the last week, I've actually, like, these top three have moved around, like, multiple times. Uh, just it. thinking back on them. Number three, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Um, loved this game. I mean, everything you said and more, I don't need to go on and on. You you perfectly described what makes this game so, special. It's so good. Yeah, and we're, we're possibly getting Eldering again this year, which is going to be so dope. Um, did Activision screw it up? No, they didn't awesome i really hope we see a sequel to sekiro i hope activision puts money behind them because it did pay off uh yeah really loved sekiro shadows die twice guardian ape arguably my favorite gaming moment of 2019 uh easily number two star wars jedi fallen order once again you said a lot of what makes this game special i think it's people like to say like oh it's a jack of all trades master of none in star wars I think it does a lot of the things it pulls from other games better than the average developers do, but it doesn't mm -hmm. do them to the level of the people they aped him from, if that makes sense. But I still think they're above average in all of the elements of this game. Yeah. And then obviously the Star Wars story that wraps it all up just takes it to another level. I think the biggest enemy of this game was time. I think Respawn was strapped for time to get this out, and that's why it did come out with as many bugs and issues issues as it did i didn't experience a whole lot of them yeah um me but they were pretty evident so you can't ignore that um i was actually but, i heard a lot about that in reviews and things i'm like but with my playthrough i'm like this is really polished and I, i'm like i don't have anything like that except the sliding yeah <laughs> uh i my big uh hope for the sequel is that there's multiple uh costume options outside of just ponchos me yes. being somebody who liked the ponchos i still think that there would have been nice to see some variation there uh i think the Most casting ugly i'm just gonna say it yeah because there's like 20 of them and i liked like eight of them so yeah i'd would, I would agree to that like yeah majority of them for sure uh the crew of the mantis i really like all of them all mm -hmm. of those characters mm -hmm. are dope uh deborah wilson who plays seer uh you know she is dope in wolfenstein uh, she was also in Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare. So like, nice. she's just I'm I'm glad that she has found a place in in video games because she was one of my favorite actresses and comedians on uh, Mad TV back in the day. So it's cool to see her Dude, have a second resurgence to her career. Towards the end of that game, um, tiny tiny spoilers for Fallen Order. Uh, when you see her in action finally, like through the glass, and you see the move she does, like take down the two. Uh, Whatever oh, yeah. they're called. 
oh my god i was like oh ooh, like she just kicked ass I was like, holy crap we finally get to see her in action and it did won't oh, pays off and trilla uh is one of my favorite characters in star wars i'm not going to tell you who that is but it's a character in the game and it's one of my favorite characters in Star Wars in recent memory. I think the writing was so well done. It's a droid uh, that cleans your shoes. <laughs> Trasha. <laughs> and number one, can you guess what my number one game is? I am like, right now, when you said that was Fallen Order was two, I thought to myself, what in the blazes is one then? If not, that was, if not Fallen Order or Sekiro. There's one game that has exceptional quality that I played throughout 2019 constantly and consistently and had a blast the entire time oh, apex madden legends or apex yeah okay <laughs> i would never make madden my number one game god <laughs> that franchise needs a lot of work apex legends is the highest quality battle royale game out there bar none uh i'll die on that hill <laughs> um obviously they had some hiccups with some microtransaction stuff uh which is going to happen um but in terms of actual gameplay i think they've done a tremendous job updating that game with new characters new guns new events they added an entirely new map yeah it doesn't update every week like fortnite does but i do think that that fortnite doesn't do a lot outside of changing the map and and, and stuff to get people excited and for me we've had this discussion of like i just think apex's first person shooting is like world class whereas like with fortnite i just don't like the third person i just have never liked that type of combat um the sliding mechanics in apex legends change things the way they've made it so you have to work with your team one thing that fortnite aped super quickly is the ping system in apex which completely changed the battle royale landscape of being able to communicate with your two teammates without having a mic and it changed the game because it made it viable for someone like me who's solo queues to go in and actually win consistently with random teammates um i just think that it was the most consistent and i just thought it was the best game bar none that i played uh in 2019 and man you know, I was kind of surprised that I didn't that we didn't see that mentioned in more of the outlets for a game of the year awards um, in any categories. I didn't. I don't think I saw it much, but it was like reviewed really highly and people loved it. And like quality wise, I don't. I, you know, I don't, you, know, you seldom heard a complaint, um, only a, only praise. So I'm surprised we didn't see more awards for this. It won some multiplayer awards at the game awards, but yeah, it was never really a okay. contender for game of the year, which sucks. Which you have that, and then you have, uh, you know, Star Wars not cutting, off, not meeting the deadline for cutoff for a lot of these things. So respawn kind of got screwed twice. Man, yeah. So yeah. just like ah, whatever. Uh, before we get into the cumulative game of the year and tell you what won our game of the year, uh, my biggest disappointment: Ghost Recon Breakpoint. I obviously had to get a refund for that game. My boy John Bernthal was part of a turd, uh, which actually might have repercussions for Ubisoft moving forward in terms of them delaying their games and um, you know double checking them before they let them go out based on their past merits and not doing anything new or innovative. So that was pretty disappointing. Uh, game I played first in 2019, just because I didn't have time to get around to it in 2018, Spyro Reignited Trilogy. I'm two games through, and I just it's a nostalgia thing for me. And that and the Crash uh, remasters are done so well. Arguably some of the best remasters of all time. Um, just incredible. Love that game. Uh, need more time with. 
The Outer Worlds slash The Outer Wilds. Both of these games, The Outer Worlds, I'm way farther in than The Outer Wilds, but they're two games that hit like the Jared exploration for Outer Wilds, exploration, sci-fi world. It's all a universe uh, in, happening in real time, right? Outer Worlds, you talked about it. It's Fallout with a, a different coat of paint, yada, yada, yada. So those are the two games I wish I had more time with. Now, the Controlled Interest GameCast 2019 Game of the Year. With a four-way tie at number nine, Borderlands 3, Katana Zero, RE2 Remake, and Ukulele. Coming in at number eight, Days Gone. Coming in at number, tied at number six, Link's Awakening and Pokemon Sword and Shield. Nice. Tied at number four, Apex Legends and Fire Emblem Three Houses. Coming in at number three, Control. Now, if you do the math in your head, you're like, okay, so it's between Sekiro and Star Wars. And if you do the math in your head, we both mean you both put Star Wars in front of Sekiro by just one slot. But did Jordan how where did Jordan put Star Wars and Sekiro, if you remember correctly? Three and four, maybe? Two and three? Coming in at number Five. two, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Coming in at number one, our twenty nineteen game of the year. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which isn't a From game. You'd normally assume that we'd pick the From game as our game of the year, but it was the game that aped some of From Software's gameplay. <laughs> uh, Can't beat them. Join them. Or yeah, I mean, that top three, man. Control, Sekiro, Star Wars. I know you didn't play Control, but like, that's a solid top three, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, before we close up the show, uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. Real quick, uh, the only thing of note... Uh, that's, I guess, A, I finished Breaking Bad, uh, which is awesome. Still need to watch El Camino. Uh, really enjoyed it. I thought the finale was really solid. You know, most shows don't nail their finales. Um, I thought it did an expert. It, we talked about this in the chat of like, there's some moments in that finale that are just like, pull your heart out of your chest, you know? Um, like I said before, the way I kind of relate to television shows and movies and stuff it's i need to connect to a character and that's my one gripe with breaking bad is when the credits rolled on that show i just i i loved how they wrote the fates of all those characters but i didn't wish you know the best for any of them i just was like yeah it's kind of the life you chose <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah. i guess the only person i would say that i i hope has a good life is the daughter the little baby. Uh, other than that, I just like you guys all made the bed and lie in it. Um, other than that, I started and finished Untitled Goose Game. Shout oh, out to no shit. shout out to Phil Spencer. Thank you for Xbox Game Pass. Uh, yeah, a lot shorter than I anticipated. So there's areas that you goose it up in, right? And oh, uh, there's a garden you start in. Then there's a back street. Then there's these uh, secondary like high end people's backyards. And then there's a pub, right? Only four areas in the game. Um, really fun. Some of the puzzles, little obtuse. Uh, I wish it was a little bit better crafted. But as a Game Pass experience that I really had to pay no money for outside of my subscription for two and a half, three hours, great time. I got all of the achievements minus the speedrun ones. So there's achievements for completing each section before the church bell rings, which is like the, you know, the timer, right? Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. If you have game pass, I would suggest trying it out. It's, 
it's fun just to get in a game and be an annoying animal. Like, you're just this goose and you're honking your horn and taking people's keys and just being the absolute worst, right? And it's just so great. Uh, a section of this game, you can, like, steal this kid's glasses and give him worse glasses. You can take his toy that he's playing with and drag it over to the store that this lady runs, and she'll put a price tag on it. So when he goes to find it, he has to buy his own toy back, which is, like, hilarious. Uh, some really cool stuff in there. Bunch of little neat Easter eggs. Um, not relating to other properties, but, like, things you have to work for uh, to, like, figure out and uncover. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed my time with Entitled Goose Game. Didn't expect to play it this week, but hopped in and yeah, just rode that two and a half hour wave of, uh, being an asshole. What about you? Uh, just more days gone and been watching a lot of Star Wars Rebels. Nice. We talked about this in chat. Uh, my goal is to watch, uh, Star Wars in chronological order this year. I've never seen Rebels, never seen Clone Wars. For Rebels, I'm going to watch all of it probably. For Clone Wars, I think I'm doing the need to watch arc episode th list thing uh <laughs> yeah i'm not a fan of either of their animation styles particularly i've just never been a fan of that style but i've heard the character writing and everything that happens in those shows is like must watch star wars so i'm down to take the plunge um anything else no that's it i've been living simple lately Oh, one cool thing. I know we're, we're not talking about where we're going to be playing, but I didn't mention this in the news. Xbox announced some more Xbox Game Pass games uh, today, and one of those was A Plague Tale Innocence, mm. which mm -hmm. was a game that got a lot of good reviews last year, and it was a game I was actually thinking about buying. So in the future, I might end up picking it up on Game Pass. Uh, that one's only on PC, though, which isn't a huge bummer because oh. the way it works for Game Pass 2 is you still get achievements on PC. Um and now that I have a Bluetooth, like the newer Xbox One controller, it's not as much of a hassle to plug it into the PC. So I should be good to go. Um, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for joining us. Once again, our game of the year is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Thank you guys for watching. If you can, please follow us on iTunes. Leave us a review. It helps us in the dreaded algorithm. If you can, go over to Twitter. Search CTRLINT. That'll pull us up. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. Hit up... You know, hit us with a follow. I tweet out interesting stuff and in obviously all the videos that we have that get uploaded. I can be followed personally at Jared underscore. That's J-E-R-R-A-D underscore. Dom can be followed at Dom's Oreos. And Jordan, who's not here with us this week, can be followed at Mellow Modus. Lastly, if you go to YouTube, hit that subscribe button. The bell notification lets you know. You know, hit that bell underneath the video. lets you know when we upload new videos. The sub boxes on YouTube can be unreliable. And like the videos as well, if you enjoy them. Uh, and leave us comments. Comments definitely help. It lets us know that we're doing a good job with the show. We'd love to hear feedback. And uh, whether that's on Twitter or YouTube, we want to hear from you guys and let us know how we can make the show better. And if you guys are enjoying what we're doing and maybe what you think we could do better. So thank you guys for listening this week, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.